Hello, food nerds. This is Nick, and you're listening to Literally Delicious. Welcome back for another week of food fun. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today as we talk some more literature and make some more yummy food together. This week, our main course is Celestial Bodies by Jokha Alardi, originally published in Arabic in 2010 and later translated in 2018 by Marilyn Booth. This novel won the 2019 Man Booker International Prize for Fiction, which is a huge honor. And this is the first book originally written in Arabic to ever win the award, and also the first book written by an Omani writer to be translated into English. So this book was a big deal and continues to be a huge deal in our understanding in the West of a culture that we don't often hear so much about, which is Omani culture. So thank you so much for taking some time out of your week to listen to this podcast. And if you would like to suggest a book and a dish that you would like to see us make in a future episode, send me an email at literallydelishpod at gmail.com. And I'm looking forward to reading your recommendations. So to just get us started here today, I wanted to share a little bit about why I chose this book to study and to cover on the podcast. This book kind of ties together both my work as an English teacher and English researcher and my love of food and learning about history and different cultures. So in particular, over the past two years, I've been working with a researcher on Oman and Zanzibar, which was at one time a colony of Oman and the history of slavery and the impact of slavery on Omani society. So this book I came across in some of my research as being one that I definitely needed to check out to uh, see what the literature and the culture of Oman right now reads like and looks like. And I'm so happy that I picked up this book, one, because it's an amazing read, and two, because there's so much food culture that is shared with you in the book that I can't wait to get into a little bit later on. So, what is this book about? Well, Celestial Bodies, which is the English title of the work, is in general about three sisters who are navigating the world of Oman during a time of great change. They are navigating things like their relationship to one another, their relationship to love and marriage and raising children, and their relationship to their ancestors and their family history, and often how that family history relates to slavery. So just to give you a little bit of a broad look at Oman as a country, Oman is a very, very diverse country. It's Predominant language is Arabic, but there are people living in Oman who are of Indian descent and from other places around the Arabian Peninsula. The capital of Oman is Muscat, and that is a city that features prominently in this novel. But one of the things that comes to fruition in the novel is Oman's relationship and history of colonization and imperialism. So Omani society uh, is partially 
made up of people who have their ancestry and origins in Africa because in the 19th century, uh, Omani merchants brought colonies to Africa. They first worked in the uh, ivory trade and then ultimately worked in the slave trade. They also brought with them cloves and coconut and in Zanzibar, cloves and coconut plantations sort of became the groundwork of this uh, slaving society. So the book really does a great job, I think, of tying together these different historical events, especially as they relate to the history of slavery in Oman and Zanzibar, and talking about how the characters are handling the kind of change in their society. For example, some of the characters who are very diverse in this book are they themselves enslaved people. And they each have their own unique perspective on, for example, the abolition orders of 1897 and 1909, I think. Yes. And the book itself is set in the post-1975 Omani country. In 1975, the current sultan, Sultan Qaboos, took power and opened up the country to uh, Western influence a little bit. Uh, It started to export oil to other countries around the world, and it also let uh, people of Omani descent who are living around the world return to Oman in the process and with the ultimate goal of modernizing the country. So these characters have uh, a lot of change to contend with in the history of Oman, and in particular, Oman's uh, peculiar history and uh, slavery's sort of influence on its people. So, for example, why then do the slaves that you see in this book continue to work for the slaveholder even after the abolition of slavery in 1909? Well, what I learned through my research and through reading this book, uh, probably the number one thing is that slavery, as we think about it in the United States, does not always transfer to how uh, the awful institution of slavery is uh, around the world. For example, uh, enslaved women in Omani culture uh, sometimes were uh, concubines for the slaveholder Often they were involved in raising children and and they themselves were sometimes mothers to children of the slave holder. So in this way, the lives of the enslaved people in Oman were intricately intertwined with the lives of the slave holder. And so for that reason, after the abolition of slavery in 1909 on paper, there was still a lot of Uh, continual uh, servitude of people, especially of African descent in Oman. So that was just a little very, very brief outlook on some of the history that goes into this work. And I highly recommend to look into this history a little bit more as you read the novel, because it's going to uh, help explain some of the different perspectives that the characters take on in the novel. And I know that I have not given this history much justice in my very brief 
uh, rundown of it, but I wanted to get us started here thinking about sort of the historical influences and how slavery and plantations in Zanzibar play a role in the food that I'm going to make today. Now, without the plantations in Zanzibar, Oman would not have become uh, the empire that it would become in the late 19th and early 20th century. So staple ingredients like cloves and coconut were often grown in East Africa and then moved along with slaves uh, across the Indian Ocean into the Arabian Peninsula. There's also other interesting ingredients to talk about here today, such as dates, which were at one time uh, Oman's biggest export before oil, but uh, American tastes for dates and the beginning of the date industry in California actually uh, made the Omani date trade suffer. So we don't, whenever we see dates in the stores today, don't see them often originating from Oman and from other places in the Arabian Peninsula, but rather we see them grown here in California. And there's just interesting uh, historical factors that came into play there, uh, which have made this ingredient become more American-made and less one that we get imported from places like Oman. So the ingredients here today uh, I'll talk to you about as we get into the kitchen, but I wanted to read for you a passage from the book where food plays a huge role. So at the beginning of the story, we meet Maya, and Maya is having a child, and there's a lot of tradition that the book shares about what the new mother should eat after she gives birth. So when she gives birth, the, uh, her uh, husband's uncle's wife makes for her a meal of fresh chicken broth baked with a special wafer-thin bread known to be good for new mothers. And throughout the course of the novel, whenever the author makes reference to this bread, which is called in Arabic, khubz ragag, whenever the author makes reference to this bread, it's often called special, special wafer-thin bread. And so I'm going to be making khubz ragag later on in this episode. Other uh, ingredients to talk about here today, samna, or clarified butter, uh, also known as ghee in other parts of the world, is another key ingredient, as well as honey. So I will be making chubs ragag with uh, clarified butter and honey. And then the last food to tell you about here today is called halwa, which is an Omani jelly sweet. It's made from sugar, cornstarch, and often flavored with clarified butter, saffron, clove, and uh, almonds, other uh, nuts and dried fruit. So this food I'm also really excited to make. I don't usually make candy, so we'll see how this goes, food nerds. And I think that all in all, uh, what this reading of Celestial Bodies by Jocha Alarti really left me with is an appreciation for a food culture that I don't know so very well. So uh, in today's episode, I don't claim to be making anything 
near the authentic version. I just want to try to approximate what this food looks like and ultimately try food for myself that uh, I can't really get my hands on unless I were to travel to Oman. Uh, so I hope that you will join me here today in the kitchen and then maybe you'll try some of these foods for yourself. And I'm excited to take you there now, food nerds. So to get the recipes for today's episode, go to Instagram at literallydelishpod and check out the photos from today's episode and of course the recipes. And you can follow along with the photos and the recipes after this podcast releases. So that is all for this segment of today's episode. I'm going to take you now into the kitchen where I will be making khus, ragag, alwa, and uh, some other Omani food from Jilcha Al-Ardi's Celestial Bodies. So let's get right to it. Why just read it when you can eat it? Hello, food nerds. Welcome back into the kitchen. This is Nick, and today we are making some Omani food from Jilcha Al-Ardi's Celestial Bodies. Let me tell you about the ingredients that I have assembled here. First, for the khobz ragag, I have two cups of flour in a bowl with a teaspoon of salt. I'm adding one cup of water into the mix and then mixing these together well to form a batter for the flatbread. Meanwhile, I have a cup of brown sugar and a cup of regular white sugar on the heat over low in a pot on the stove. Now, I'm making a dry caramel to start on our alwa. Other ingredients that I've assembled before I've started here is two cups of cornstarch, which I've mixed with enough water to form a very finely textured slurry, so no lumps. I've also got a half a cup of hot water and in it I have steeping saffron. So that's gonna be one of the flavorings for the halwa. I have two cups of water, just plain old H2O. And in my cast iron, I have a, two tablespoons of cardamom seed and a teaspoon of whole cloves. And I'm heating those up there so that they can be the flavorings for our coffee and for our halwa later. So my dough has come together here. I'm just going to work the last part with my hands some. It's gonna be nice and sticky. Basically just forming a dough ball, punching it down a little bit. Make sure that you keep an eye on your sugar if you're making your bread dough while you are making your caramel, because you don't want that to burn. That'll make a huge mess, okay. I like where my dough is at. I'm going to cover it with a damp towel and set that aside for 30 minutes. Once I start seeing my sugar caramelize on the outside, I'm going to start stirring my sugar constantly here for the halwa because we do not want that to burn on us. Okay, so that's looking like it's getting nice and toasty. It's starting to smell like caramel. While I have that waiting to go here, let me tell you a little bit about halwa. So it's 
the texture of sort of a jello because of the cornstarch that we're putting into it. It's often flavored with mixed nuts, cardamom, saffron, rose water, really anything that you'd like. And uh, the other predominant ingredient here that I should tell you about is clarified butter. And there's a whole lot of it here, food nerds, okay? This isn't a health food at all, this is a dessert. So don't let that scare you now. One whole cup, that's about one eight ounce jar of clarified butter is going to go into our halwa. Okay, so I'm going to get started stirring up the sugar here after I give my hands a wash. Don't go anywhere. All right, food nerds. Once your caramel reaches sort of a saucy consistency where it's smooth throughout, I've been stirring now for about, I'd say a full five to six minutes once I waited for the sugar to start melting, all the while breaking apart any big chunks of sugar that I see in the caramel. It's going to run pretty smooth. You don't want it to burn, so continue to stir while it gets more and more viscous. And whenever you are happy with its texture, it's very, very smooth. You can't see any pronounced uh, sugar granules in it. Then you're going to keep stirring while you add two cups of water. It's gonna bubble up on you. Make sure you stir. And it's gonna turn pretty black. Keep stirring. Make sure all of that sugar gets dissolved in there. Okay, so once you've combined that well, you're going to add your cornstarch slurry. going to form sort of a jello-like consistency. All right, I'm gonna keep stirring this and then I'm going to transfer the cardamom and clove to my spice grinder so that I can make that into a nice powder to add to the halwa. Don't go anywhere. All right, so once you've melted all of your caramel in the water, basically making a very dark colored simple syrup, you can add in your cornstarch slurry. Just FYI, if you made your cornstarch slurry before you started uh, this whole process, you might need to mix it up again to kind of re rehydrate the cornstarch. So pour that in there and make sure this comes back to a boil. It's going to start looking a little bit like uh, coffee with cream, okay? We need to make sure that the cornstarch comes back to a boil or else it won't create that uh, consistency that we're looking for out of the alwa. Keep stirring so that nothing burns here. You want a nice smooth consistency throughout. Okay, so while this is going around, let's start talking about what are some other things that 
I'm going to serve with this, uh, I'll call it like a, like a tea time today. So I'm going to make coffee, I'm going to make broth, uh, chicken broth here with the leftover chicken carcass from our last episode on Bel Canto. So if you haven't listened to that, you can tune back in and get to, to know how I made that chicken broth there. So once I have finished this awa, I will get started on heating up the chicken broth and making the khubs ragag for us here today. So very excited. I'm going to uh, take a quick break here while I stir together this cornstarch with the rest of the olive ingredients, and then I'll tell you how to flavor it. Okay, don't want to miss that. See you right back here. All right, food nerds, you won't believe it uh, whenever you make this, but the olive gets so super thick once this cornstarch gets incorporated with it. You can start adding your flavors in your saffron water, one half cup. And that'll loosen things up a little bit again and also uh, add in some flavoring. So make sure you stir that in super well. It's sort of, it may return to a very black color consistency, but right now it's sort of this uh, very beautiful amber, milky color consistency. Just looks very, very pretty. And it's bubbling away now. It gets a little bit difficult to stir, so you have to put your back into it a little bit here, food nerds, if you want to enjoy this lovely alwa. Okay. So once I've sort of incorporated that saffron water, I'm going to add one half of our one cup of ghee. Stir that in now, making sure that you're continuing to stir so that nothing burns on the bottom. So this is uh, not going to want to come together for you right away since it's uh, not emulsified. So really got to work in that ghee here. Stirring it up a good bit here. Sorry, but I'm just focused on stirring up this alwa to get it into a nice consistency. Now is an okay time to add in two tablespoons of your cardamom and clove mixture. Make sure that you reserve one of those tablespoons for your coffee that you're gonna make. Awesome. All right, food nerds, I'm going to continue to stir this and then when we get back, I'm gonna start working on the khubs ragag. Don't go anywhere. All right, food nerds, whenever you've added in your mixed nuts, which is the last step, and you start to make a really uh, finely consistent jello-like uh, halwa. You can move that to a bowl and let that go back to room temperature and throw a couple mixed nuts on top for your presentation and serve that with some coffee, which we'll make here in just a moment. 
the funny thing about this uh, alwa recipe from the story, just one of the uh, many moments that it's mentioned, is when one of the characters as a child goes to school. You know how it is in like American cartoons where a student brings an apple to their teacher? Well, this is just like that, except uh, the student, the character, brings alwa, the Omani jelly sweet, to his teacher. Uh, because it's what he wanted and what he liked. So just a funny food moment in celestial bodies. So I got my dough here. I'm gonna just kind of reform it into a ball in my hands. Might have to add a little bit more flour so that it's not so super sticky. And I'm heating up my cast iron griddle. So what I've seen on uh, YouTube videos done is the cook takes the ball of dough in their hands sort of rubs it along the cast iron griddle to form a very, very thin uh, wafer-like flatbread. So once you've heated up your griddle to a medium-high, probably around 350 degrees, take your dough ball in hand and roll it around the cast iron griddle. Okay, so I'm not quite ready to do the first one yet. I want my griddle to heat up just a little bit more. But while we wait, let me tell you a little bit about the chicken broth that I made today. So I make this chicken broth with the carcass of a turkey, or excuse me, a chicken, <laughs> carcass of a chicken that I've roasted already. And uh, I save the wings from the roast and put it into a pot with onion, carrot, celery, couple cloves of garlic with the peel on, so not crushed, nothing at all is done to it. And a tea bag full of rosemary, thyme, cloves. So that is the ingredient here that's taking us back to Oman, along with some lemon. So I just cut a lemon in half and put it into the uh, broth and let that come to a boil and then simmer that for three hours. And then what you've got is a really nice broth for you. Okay, so our griddle has heated up now to 350 and I'm about to put my ball of dough onto the griddle and kind of roll it around to form a very thin, thin layer. Uh, but let me tell you first here about the topping ingredients. We've got honey and clarified butter here that we're going to put on top of our flatbread using a very handy dandy tool that you can get at your local hardware store, a putty knife, also known as a paint scraper. You're going to want to use one of these because it's going to allow you to get underneath your very thin chobus uh, ragag. <laughs> so, going to take the ball of dough in my hand now. You're going to want your platter nearby so that you can easily transfer your completed flatbread to its final destination. This doesn't want to come out of the bowl for me. That's okay. We'll still make it. Okay. Taking that ball now and rolling it along the griddle. You want the griddle to be ungreased so that your ball of dough really truly sticks to it. Okay, I'm gonna give my griddle another moment to heat up a little bit more here. Okay, food nerds, attempt one didn't go so well, so we're gonna change our approach here. Rather than taking 
the entire ball and kind of dragging it around the pan. We're gonna take a small amount of dough, about the amount that you can fit in the palm of your hand, put it on the griddle, and take your paint scraper and a uh, bench, uh, a bench scraper would be helpful here if you got one, and drag it out manually here. So you wanna get it about a quarter inch thick. So using those two tools, spread your dough out very thinly. And it's gonna to wanna to hold together, so you're gonna to need to have a little patience here as you spread it out nice and thin. You might make yours smaller to start than uh, what they may be more traditionally like, but that's okay, it's still gonna taste good. And then, now once you spread it thin, take your clarified butter and your honey, spread that on the top of your flatbreads. I'm just using a knife here for mine. And then move it over to a platter. This dish is also really great with cream cheese and egg, which is a very traditional topping for it. So feel free to get creative with it. Feel free to get creative with your kloves ragag. Kloves is Arabic for bread, by the way, which is how this dish gets its name. Okay. So one done, I'm gonna to continue to work on a few more of these for our little coffee time, and then I'll tell you how to make kahwa, which is Arabic for coffee. Don't go anywhere. All right, food nerds, it's coffee time. I got in my French press a tablespoon of ground cardamom and clove, the same uh, mixture that we used earlier for the halwa, and I've added to that four tablespoons of ground coffee, and now I'm going to add four cups hot water. Give this a stir. And I'm gonna let that brew for, for me I like it about three minutes. Meanwhile, I'll tell you a little bit about the traditions of coffee drinking in Oman. From what I've learned from my research, it's a, quite a big deal in Oman. It's meant to be taken very slowly and with friends around. So for that, uh, Omanis serve coffee in very small cups, accompanied on the side with dates, maybe some jelly sweet like we've made here today, and lots of conversation. So our chicken broth is also come back up to a boil. That's gonna be a nice little lunch for us here. And it's flavored with some Omani ingredients, like clove. Okay, shall we get Gab out here for some tasting? Gab, are you ready to taste? All right, here comes Gab. Say hi to the food nerds, Gab. Hello, food nerds. How are you doing today, Gab? I'm good, how are, are you, you all? So you're just working here, you're in the need for a mid-afternoon coffee pick-me-up? Yep. All right, well let's do it then. I'm gonna press our coffee beans down. I'm gonna do this slowly to catch all of the ground coffee with cardamom. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is it really strong? It looks pretty strong. It should be just perfect. Okay, Gab. You want to try some of the jelly sweets we got over here? Yeah. Okay. Can I get a fork? So, actually, traditionally, eaten with your hands. So you just grab a chunk of it. Yeah. But you can use a fork if you'd like. Get in there. Get some of the nuts, too. I'm going to go and just grab a chunk with my hands. What do you think? It's good. It's really good, nice and sweet. Mm -hmm. It also got some spices to it. Mm -hmm. And the cardamom and clove and, and the saffron. Cloves. Yeah, I was just thinking mm -hmm. we just cloves in this one. Mm -hmm. Want to try a little piece of our goobs here? Yeah. That's a flatbread with some honey and some butter. You guys can't see, but I'm right by the mic. Oh, that's good. Describe it for the food nerds. Yeah, while I get myself a little bite. It like has a little bit of chew. It's sweet. Um, delicate, kind of like an elephant ear that's not coated in cinnamon and sugar. Hmm. Interesting comparison. All right, are you excited for uh, chicken broth and some coffee? What? Chicken broth. And, I made... and coffee? Well, no, not together. Oh, separately. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, food nerds, I think Gab is starving, so we should pause here and have some lunch. But hope to see you back here next week, okay? Don't go don't go changing that dial, food nerds. Until changing next the time. Dial? Yeah. What does that mean? It's like an old radio term oh. when there used to be a dial. That well you you're twenty six. You can't be using old radio terms. So that's fair. On that note, I think it's time to end, food nerds. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next Tuesday. And... Stay hungry! Bye! Bye! Hey, food nerds. This is Nick, and this is your last bite. Don't think that just because we made dessert in today's episode, we weren't going to do a last bite. But... On today's last bite, I wanted to do something just a little bit different and earnestly ask you all to share today's episode and our podcast with a friend who you think might like the program. The entire purpose of Literally Delicious is to share new perspectives through books and through food, and because I know that our audience is mostly people living in the United States, we haven't heard a lot about Omani food, nor have we really truly heard a whole lot about the novel from today, Celestial Bodies. So uh, if you would be willing and able to share today's episode with a friend and share our Instagram with them at literally delish pod, that would really mean a lot. And you would be doing a whole lot for uh, sharing new cuisines with, with our friends in food and fellow food nerds. So Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. It really means a lot to us here. And hope to see you back here next week. Take care, y'all.